Welcome to Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno. You'll want to grab your Bible and follow along, verse by verse, with Pastor John. We continue in the book of Genesis, chapter 25. We'll start at verse 1. Pass on your faith. Share Jesus with your next generation. Pass it on to your own family, friends, and community. Christ and his gifts are worth paying forward to our loved ones. We want to leave a spiritual legacy. Well, this is the story of the three patriarchs. And I don't know if you realize, but the section of Genesis that we've been going through, I've been calling it, follow the patriarchs. And in the Jewish mindset, there are three predominant, important patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. If you remember, Jacob's name was changed to Israel. He has 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is the very foundation. This is the major limb of the family tree. And we're tracing these genealogies of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We'll skim over some of the other genealogies because they're not as important as following the three major patriarchs. And this becomes father and son and grandson. So in our chapter today, we're going to actually see all three patriarchs. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God is proud to claim them. And he is the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. You know, they say Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. And so it's important we pass on the faith to our kids, our grandkids, that the church reach every generation. Continue to pray for our kids, a Bible club, as we seek to start up in one of the public schools nearby, because we must reach every generation, all ages, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, our first patriarch is Abraham. And he has come near the end, and it's time to bury dad. Have you been there, where you have to bury your parents? Let's read it, Genesis chapter 25, verse 1. Now Abraham took another wife whose name was Keturah. Now Sarah has passed away. Abraham is done mourning, and he wants to remarry. And it is your right, if your spouse passes away, you are free to remarry. Your covenant ends at death, right? We vowed, until death do us part. Now, if you plan to remarry, don't tell your spouse. <laughs> Just say, baby, I love you. I could never marry anyone else. Decide after they're gone. <laughs> Verse 2. 
she bore to him all these sons and grandsons. But these are not pivotal in the branches because we want to go from Abraham, Isaac, to Jacob. So let's skip to verse 5. Now Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac. Though he has many sons, he had a son before, he had sons after, uh, in God's mind, he's your one and only. He's your true son. The inheritance is going to Isaac. He's going to take over. He's going to lead the clan. He is pivotal in God's plan, the second patriarch. We think patriarch like a papa, matriarch like a mama, but this is the patriarch. Verse 6, but to the sons of his concubines, Abraham gave gifts while he was still living. I think that's a wise thing to do, to give the inheritance when you're still alive because you can oversee it. You could see how they're going to spend it you're going to see what they do with it, you know. And so he gives, of course, gifts to all his children, to all his sons, but Isaac gets the vast majority as the true heir. It is true Abraham had concubines. Now, concubines is foreign in American thinking because I believe God's design is husband and wife. But man started adding other wives, polygamy. And so we have the word concubine. It is a lower level of a wife. It's like you should have one and only wife. But when they add on these other wives, you'll hear polygamists say, well, this is my first wife. This is the true wife. This is the wife who runs the show. And then I have other wives. Really, they're what we would call concubines of a lower level. And so through these other wives, concubines, he had multiple sons, children, uh, and sent them away from his son Isaac eastward to the land of the east. So all the sons are departed. They're pushed away from the true heir, Isaac. Do you remember Sarah said, this Ishmael will not be an heir with my son. Send him away, the son of, was it Hagar? Send him away because I don't want this rivalry. He's hurting my son. He's mocking him. I don't trust him. And so it was all the way back to Sarah, her advice, separate the rivals from the true heir. And again, the rivals are sent away from the true heir. Verse 7. These are the years of Abraham's life that he lived. 175 years. An old age. A long life. A promise of God. The blessings of God to have a life and that full and abundant Verse 8, Abraham breathed his last and died in a ripe old age, an old man and satisfied with life. 
and he was gathered to his people. Satisfied with life. Wasn't there an old rock and roll song? I don't get no satisfaction. That's because you don't have Jesus, right? When you have Christ, when you have a relationship with God and you put your faith in the true God, you get satisfied. If you let Jesus feed you, you won't be hungry. And so Christians get satisfied, a life of satisfaction through Christ. Verse 9. Then his sons, Isaac and Ishmael, buried him in the cave of Machpelah, in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar, the Hittite, facing Mamre, verse 10, the field which Abraham purchased from the sons of Heth. There Abraham was buried with Sarah, his wife. Sometimes family comes back together at a funeral, right? Maybe you're like, I don't want to go to the funeral. I'm going to have to see my brother and sister. Uh, the old rivalry, uh, the uncle, you know, and you're mad at a family member, and there's been waves, right? But funerals, weddings, birthdays sometimes bring us back together, and we see Isaac and Ishmael coming back to bury their dead father. And father is buried with his wife. And so husband and wife are joined together in the cemetery, in the grave. Quite traditional. And of course, this grave site will be for all three patriarchs with their wives. Interesting. Verse 11, it came about after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac lived by Bir Haloroi. The blessing transfers on from the godly father to the godly son, from the godly parents to the godly children. Are you raising your children in the church? In the things of the Lord, do they pray? Do they know God? Do they have a Bible? Are you passing it forward? Because when you leave, now they're going to raise your grandkids, right? They're going to continue, hopefully, the legacy of faith, the Christian life. And if your children are Christian, they will get your blessings. The blessings of God will pass from you to them. Do you see it? Now we have the second patriarch, Isaac. The first is dead, right? He has buried his father, Abraham. And now Isaac must raise a family. Verse 12. Now these are the records of the generations of Ishmael, Abraham's son, whom Hagar, the Egyptian, Sarah's maid, bore to Abraham. This is the child of the slave, the child of works, the child of doubts. They didn't believe in God's promise that God could bring a child through Sarah, so they tried to do it in their own effort, if you remember the story. 
and the child of the slave will not grow up with the child of promise. They will not share into the inheritance. So remember, Sarah's like, remove this maid and her son. The casting out of Ishmael. These are the names of the sons of Ishmael by their names in the order of their birth. And here they are listed, kids uh, and descendants of Ishmael. But again, this branch is not important to the story. So let's skip to 16. These are the names of Ishmael, and these are their names by their villages and by their companies, 12 princes according to their tribes. Interesting. I think of the tribes of Ishmael, 12 tribes. But the important 12 tribes is the tribes of Israel, right? The Jews. And that won't come until Jacob comes as our third patriarch. Verse 17, these are the years of the life of Ishmael, 137 years. And he breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people. 18, they settled from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt, as one goes toward Assyria. He settled in defiance of all his relatives. And Ishmael was a fighter. <laughs> he would battle, right? He's the father of the Arab nations, and you always see rivalry. And of course, this is America today. Should we pull our troops out from these Arab nations? Or should we continue these long-going wars? And some say these Arabs have fought each other forever and ever, and why should we be in the middle of their fights? So this traces all the way back to Ishmael, the father of the nations, the Arab nations, and 12 tribes, if you will. Verse 19. Now, these are the records of the generations of Isaac. Now we get to the important branch, the second patriarch Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac, remember his name means laughter or he laughs. He was the promised child. He was the miracle baby because Sarah couldn't have kids. So God does a miracle, makes a promise. His promises come true. And so we have laughter. Laughter for Sarah. Laughter for Father Abraham. Verse 20. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Padan Aram the sister of Laban. Remember, Laban was into the money. Yeah, I'll sell my sister for lots of money. Give me the loot. Uh, Laban the Aramean to be his wife. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. And the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. You know, the scriptures say, husbands, love your wives. I think this scripture is telling us, husbands, 
pray for your wives, for their hurts, their pains, their fears, their sicknesses. Maybe they've been through a hard life, a hard past. Maybe those kids drive them up the wall, you know. Pray for your wives, right? We had a husband in the church. His wife was sentenced to terminal death from this gigantic tumor. And he visited her every day in the big, renowned hospital. And he encouraged all the church members, will you come? Will you lay hands on my wife? I just really believe God's going to heal her. I just pray for her every day, every night. It's like a prayer vigil. And we came, I came, so many came. And the doctor said, it's hopeless, it's helpless, she's terminal, she'll die, pastor plan her funeral. But her husband said, oh no, God's given me a word, I believe she's going to be healed. And her council of doctors said, this is impossible. And then the tumor shrank, she woke up out of the coma, and she walked out of the hospital, and all the doctors said, you're the miracle woman. And it started because her husband prayed for his wife. And after Isaac prays, guess what? Now she can have children. Now the barrenness is taken away. Verse 22. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if it is so, why then? Am I this way? What is wrong with me? I understand a baby kicking, but there's like a war going on in my tummy. And should I be this large? Well, it's a double blessing. God has not given you one son, but two sons. You got twins. And you know what those twins are doing? They're wrestling. They're tussling. They're fighting to see who's going to be number one. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? You ever have siblings, maybe you have boys, they like to wrestle and fight. Uh, it brings me back. <laughs> I'm the middle child, older brother, younger sister. Fighting, screaming, punching, kicking, biting, pulling hair, running to mom, dad, you know, for protection, safety, sticking out tongues, whatever, you know. The battling of siblings. And she doesn't know what is going on. So she went to inquire of the Lord. It's time to pray, 23. And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples will be separated from your body. And one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Mama, here's what's going on. you got twins, and they're fighting and wrestling. They're seeing who's going to be first place. And God prophesies over her babies in her womb, and he says, the secondborn will take the place of the first. Because one, only one can come out at, at a time, right? Whoever comes out first is the firstborn with the birthright and the inheritance and number one spot. But God's going to reverse the order, and the number two baby is going to become number one. And the older shall serve the younger. I like that verse because I'm the younger son. 
<laughs> the older, you know, you're not the boss of me, I'm not your slave. <laughs> the older shall serve the younger. And it was a battle because through Jacob, Jacob's name is going to be changed to Israel, the Jews. But we're going to have Esau, and Esau will have another name, Edom, and the Edomites, a nation, a rival. Two nations, the Edomites and the Jewish nation, will come from these two twins, a divine prophecy. Now, the book of Romans focuses on the sovereignty of God, God's purposes and God's plan, and God is going to use these two twins as an example, Esau and Jacob. And in Romans chapter 9, verse 11, it says, For though the twins were not yet born, and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. The point of Romans 9 and 11 is God chooses. God has a plan. I understand you have free will and we make choices and God calls us and he holds us accountable for the choices we make. But don't you think God has a choice too? And don't you think because he's God, he has a sovereign choice? And he chooses first, and his purposes and plans will not be thwarted. And you may feel, but I'm not good, I'm not bad, I'm so messed up. Why would God choose me? Because he loves you. Because it's grace. Because he's chosen you to be a part of his plan. And you may feel, but my works, I fail, I mess up, I'm not a good Christian. Why would God choose me? Because he chose you. <laughs> And sometimes we cannot always know the mind of God. Why does he choose some? And why does he reject others? We have another scripture in the same chapter, Romans 9, 13. It says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. This also repeated, I think, in Malachi. It is the sovereign will of God that God gets a choice he can accept or he can reject. He can love or he can hate. He can invite you into his family and give you grace and love and mercy. And he can close the door to someone else. How does he choose? Why does he choose? I don't know. I don't know the mind of God. It's beyond my finding out. But we're going to find out through these two twins that God accepts one and God rejects another. Could it be you have uh, children and one gets saved and one doesn't? One lives for the Lord and one lives for the world. I don't know. How could that be? Same home, same parents. Maybe it's the will of God. God's choosing his, his plan, his predestination. People get mad at God's will. But you have a free will. Why can't God have a will? Why can't Jesus choose who he's going to live with for all eternity in heaven? You get to choose your spouse. 
Why can't Jesus choose his? Verse 24, when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. Two boys, right, Jacob and Esau. Verse 25, now the first came forth red. I don't know why he's red. Maybe the pigment. Maybe he's mad from fighting and he's red-faced. Who knows? All over like a hairy garment. Boy, this baby's got hair on his head, hair on his body. This is a hairy baby. And they named him Esau. And Esau translates hairy. (laughs) Don't we have a Prince Harry or something, you know? Uh, Sometimes... A certain characteristics, attitudes, a look on a baby will cause the name to be named as such, right? And so they see him, man, he's red and he's hairy. Let's call him Harry. <laughs> Thanks for supporting Verse by Verse, the teaching ministry of Pastor John Reed from Calvary Chapel, Northwest Reno at 246 Courtney Lane, Reno, Nevada, 89523. Our phone number is 775-746-4567, and our webpage is calvaryreno.com. You're always welcome to join our services.